so yeah, good afternoon everyone. Um, my name's Harry Day. I'm a graduate mechanical engineer at Troop Bywaters and Anders. I'm currently sitting on the SIBSI YEPG committee. Uh, we're a subgroup of the SIBSI Energy Performance Group, uh, prioritizing uh, young professionals and supporting their development you know, providing a forum for discussion and sort of networking opportunities. And today we're uh, delighted to welcome uh, Nick Mead from Langle Rock, um, and he's going to respond to some questions from young professionals and graduate engineers relating to the REBA stages. So Nick's role is technical assurance lead for all um, MEICA systems across projects in the European hub. Um, this covers from bid, site and to handover, uh, not only building compliance, but product procurement compliance and all legislative and standards compliance for the business. Um, he is a past president of SIBSI and honorary treasurer, past honorary treasurer. Uh, he currently sits on the SIBSI services board and nominations panel. Um, and Nick, yeah, is there anything else you'd like to say with regards to the introduction? No, no, I think uh, people don't really want to hear about my, my life in the industry, but it's probably just worth noting it's now, I'm in my 43rd year in the industry, so I've um, been through quite a lot of, of change um, and development, um, as we were saying before we went on recording, you know, there's been the biggest changes in the last three or four years, and I think this is only the beginning um, and quite an exciting time for the building services engineer um, for the next few years, so quite excited for it. Yeah, looking forward to tapping into your knowledge and experience of this podcast. Um, so to start off, I suppose, uh, so the first question would be, so uh, what is REBA and their plan of work? So the REBA plan of work is, is has become sort of a, a guide for the industry to work to. It sets out the stages of a project's development from its initial concept by the client right through to its actual operational use. And it sets sort of a standard route map for people to work to, so they know what they've got to do at the various stages. It helps with programming, procurements, uh, the employment of staff uh, and, and things like that. So yeah, it's, it's become a, an industry norm um, and it's mapped against for um, the BISRIA BG6, which looks okay. at how the services liaise with the, the REBA stages. So it's become sort of a, a an industry norm now that everybody can sort of work to and know what they've got to deliver and when. Cool. Um, so you say that there's a sort of BG6. So how does this sort of relate to the wider project team uh, beyond the architects? So if, if you look at how the stages work, there, there are seven stages. They go from um, naught to six. Um, and in fact, it's naught to seven, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, so yeah, there's eight stages because zero is the, the new one, um, and, and they talk through how you look at the preparation of beef, the concept, uh, coordination, technical, manufacturing. So in terms of the industry, you know how how the architects laying out the spatial constraints for the occupant to use, how structurals pull into it for for supporting it. Uh, the MEP for servicing it, how the manufacturers then get brought in, in to use it, how it's commissioned. So the, the stages bring the whole industry together at the stage they're needed to. Um, and the river stages is, 
is good for that, but we, we probably need to do better in how we work more collaboratively uh, across it. But yeah, yeah, that's the sort of concept, how each discipline gets brought in at what time. So, so it does sort of promote collaboration between sort of the, the wider design team and... It, it, it does... It does at the stages. Um, I think the industry still needs a long way to go to look at the sort of the bigger holistic picture. Mm. Um, where, where I sit in, in Langerauk, obviously we get involved with bids and things, but we tend to be involved either at stage three or stage four. Yeah. Because we build and we commission and we hand over, and quite often we ha- we have the aftercare. What we try and bring is from the end any problems we've got and feed them back and uh, advise the architects and the and the consultants some of the build problems and I right. think the industry could do better in in some of those fields. Yeah, um, with the with the stages, um, in terms of sort of a, a building services engineer, um, would what what are the sort of requirements sort of from uh, stage zero to stage seven for between these stages so, so stage zero is what they call strategic definition which is very much where the architects looking at the client's requirements um, a business case for a high level um, budget risks that sort of thing it then goes into stage one which is the preparation of a brief so it's still very much architect probably a qs and a client focus okay. Um, it's very high level. Once you start going into stage two, which is the concept, that's when you start looking more at the cost plan, um, sort of how the brief's working. That's probably where the MEP guys really start seeing their thing. They're looking at spatial um, space for the, the plant rooms, rise of details, that sort of thing that enables the generic um, layout of the building start pulling together but it's very much what you call a squares on paper type scenario um, and to get things into that detail stage three is what they call spatial coordination that's when you start getting in a bit more depth and when you start looking at maybe how many pipes or wires are going up a riser or in a ceiling void um, sort of a bit more detailing you know you, you've got a better idea of how big a boiler might be because you've got a, a better loading of the building then going to stage four, uh, which is the technical design for a for B and four C, and that that develops you through from really getting into specific manufacturers, uh, construction detail, spatial dimensions, things like that. So you go into stage five, which is actual manufacturing construction. That's when you really start building it. You're bringing the materials on site and you're putting it together. Um, hopefully as it was thought of it's stage sort of three and four uh, then you get into stage six which is your handover um, soft landings commissioning that sort of thing making sure the building's operating as it was designed and then stage seven is the use when you're very much into your facilities management um, asset management post occupancy uh, evaluation and that sort of thing cool um, and so recently there's been some changes to the plan of work it's been reviewed in 2020. Uh, so what sort of uh, changes have been introduced and why have these changes uh, sort of evolved over time? So I'm trying to think how old the REBA stage is. It, it was 40 plus years before it had its first major uplift in 2013. 
Um, and that sort of really brought industry back more more together as a collaborative industry. And that's where the, the busier stages worked and, and there's more conformity in the industry. And I think since then, there's been not only a lot of change in, in building construction techniques and, and modern materials, um, but we've seen sort of um, just better practices and, and, and lessons learned. And now we're in a situation where you've got the government's 2050 sustainability plan. Okay. Um, we've had the consequence of, of Grenfell and the, the, the digital world has, has become um, far more prevalent in how we operate. So the 2020 version really picks up the, the sort of the, the current trends of the industry. A lot of focus on sustainability yeah. um, and, and uh, energy use and, and designability. Um, obviously, fires played quite a big importance, and where CDM um, has, has, has kicked into this, uh, and then sort of how we use digital technology for delivering um, and, and maintaining, and particularly when we come into the later stages where you're into handover and use, you know, the use of digital um, information asset management um, is much greater now than it was even probably five years ago. Okay. So yeah, quite a lot has changed sort of over the past five, ten years. Um, yeah, yeah. And so, um, so I know that Briam has credits sort of allocated for uh, thermal models and early appointment of assessors. So how do we sort of sustainability and at YPG we love sort of energy. So these energy certifications as well. Um, fire strategy and CDM, how do they sort of affect those deliverables um, at each stage? So, I, I think the, the big change we're seeing in the industry is where we, we designed a building um, and it, it went through its stages and, and, and to be fair, the building services engineer got called in and made everything fit and, and tried to make it work. The, the idea now is to be involved far earlier um, and look at some of the, the concept and instead of um, having a problem and they, the building services engineer fix it, the building services engineer is trying to work with the facade engineers and the architect to actually try and design the problems out. Right. You know, you know, have a highly glazed building that you then have to put a, a massive boiler in in the winter and a massive cooling plant in the summer. Yeah. It goes against all sustainability and so you know working with them as what is achievable what is practical what can you do with the, the type of glass or the amount of glass orientation shading that sort of thing so it's much more collaborative working to look at the end result um, mm. and i think it's it's gone from um working from the beginning and ending up the result to looking at the result that we want to achieve and then going back to how we achieve it and I think yeah. that's that's how you you see such a change now. Um, yeah, and sustainability is very much. Um, you know, we saw at the beginning of COVID um, how much cleaner the environment was uh, and things like that. But we have to then be careful um, with the sort of blanket statements. Right, we'll all drive electric cars, um, but there's not enough grid in some of the cities to charge these up. You know, yeah. uh, and then. Where do you go with sustainability in in sort of the manufacturer? You know, um, you know, you take a battery. There's a lot of metals in heavy metals in there, and, and there's sort of environmental impact of that. So it, it's maintaining this whole cycle 
with mm. the manufacturers and everything to ensure that we are looking for total sustainability, not just point of view sustainability. Yeah. Um, and so depending on sort of what stage in the project you are, um, I, I suppose the, the role the engineers can play uh, can change and the emphasis can be uh, a bit different depending on your role. Um, yeah, and so and sort of transferring that knowledge when you've got different sort of parties involved from each stage. So how how do you feel you can transfer knowledge from those parties involved all all across the stages? Yeah, it's looking back. I think largely the MEP people came quite light touch at concept, but a bit more involved in spatial coordination. But there's far there should be far greater involvement from the the MEP guys at stage two in concept because that's where yeah. you're setting your brief for the sustainability uh, and everything and, and what we've got to try and then do is 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 look at what we built did we actually achieve the blue sky concept yeah um, you know we talk about building overheating and, and things like that um you know if you really look at some of these problems uh, you, know, you take residential and corridor overheating and things like that you know you end up with um oh we've got to lag the heating pipes with 100 mil of insulation to stop the heat but then that creates your bigger ceiling void yeah now if you've not thought of that at the concept stage and then you can't fit this in the ceiling and you try and go to the architect and say i need to lower the corridor ceiling 100 mil and then he says well that hits the door head detail um it it's that so you you've got to continue your way through the path and, and look at how you're building it to feed it back at these concept and design stages because mm. you will never fix the problem we'll be back where we've always been we're solving the problem at site which takes time and cost and, and upsets people so from from a an MEP if you take the, the consultant sort of side is is trying to stay with it through into the construction team and work alongside them uh, and and, and try and be honest and get some feedback and you know don't you know don't we've got to get to the stage where the flat says oh bloody designers have not done it right and the consultant says no you've not built it learn together and be be together and you know and, and sometimes the consultant says look yep we didn't allow the space how can we help how can we work together and get that that sort of theme where we can you know we don't want to do it wrong again how can we stop it and and you know you'll find people actually then enjoy helping yeah and sharing knowledge you know and we talk of the sibsy knowledge portal it's all about sharing knowledge and having that you know what have we learned you know because if we keep getting it wrong we, we'll, we'll never progress and we'll never get the recognition we deserve mm. and so i think a lot of sort of graduates and junior engineers will sort of tend to be mainly involved i suppose on the design side as well on those sort of stage three as stage four aspects of the design and so might not have much of a role to play in concept or understanding of uh, construction and handover uh, what's your sort of view on, on getting them sort of involved in those other other stages it, it, it's very difficult when, when you're a young engineer and a graduate because you, you're, you're, in, you, you, you're trying to keep your employer happy you don't feel you want to upset people but you have to look at it from the, the other foot on, on where we work in Langer you know as a business we, we to be honest, we're putting a lot of money into these people. We're training them, um, we're paying salaries and everything. 
if they come to a point where they've they've completed their training and, and all the course, but they haven't gained the knowledge, it's no good on anybody's point of view. Mm. It's a waste of money from us and it's a waste of time for the individual. Now, a lot of employers will try and have schemes in place and things like that, but it's very much up to the individual, the young engineer, to be quite brave and say, excuse me, I don't think I'm getting the knowledge I need. Right. And it's a tough one. But I think the way to look at it, and if you look at the SIBSI the website about your membership and route to membership, it follows very much the Engineering Council guidance for iNGCNG. And your iNGCNG is not about only your technical competency, it's about sustainability, uh, leadership, mentoring, and things like that. Mm. The way you get knowledge is to talk to people, which gives you your skills and things like that. So, you know, it, it, it's, it's easy for me to say because I've been there and done it. But if you can go to, to your, your boss and, or your manager and say, you know, I, do you mind if I sit in that meeting or, or, or do you mind if I, I go to site for a day um, to actually look at what I've drawn? Um, or what I've designed or um, you know I, I think it, I, I wouldn't mind going to walk around with a commissioning engineer for a day and a, lo- a lot of guys you know particularly older guys are really keen to share knowledge and they take a you know we take a pride in what we've done and, and, and deliver it yeah you know and, and maybe you know we should start getting more and more consultants to start pairing up with contractors and we allow um, an engineer to come and join us on a site for a week Hmm. Uh, and that sort of thing, but it it's got to be driven by by the hunger of you guys. But um, it, it's very much sort of saying, you know, I want to be a, a, an ING or a CING at a right time. But if you haven't had that experience, you can't you can't get it. Hmm. And the only way you get experience is be out there and, and get dirty. I'm afraid. <laughs> yeah, and um, yeah, it makes sense. And so as we are sort of YPG, I suppose uh, one of my sort of final questions uh, would be related to the energy strategy of the programme. So, so how early on um, would this be defined? Uh, would it be sort of stage zero, uh, stage one? Yeah. Um, I, and I think the REBA 20 stages has probably knew that because clients have become more conscious of, of their sustainability, you know, they have corporate responsibilities um, under their what they call corporate social responsibility, their CRC report, which they produce their shareholders. So they have to be looking at it. So it probably isn't really much in the concept apart from they say, I want Briam excellent or, or, or something like this. But again, it needs to be involved fairly early because what you're not, if you're not careful, you could be into a tick box exercise. So if you look mm-hmm. at the Briam forms, they'll say, right, we'll have um, biomass boilers. And we have photovoltaic cells, and we'll have a wind farm, and we'll have this, that, and the other. And each of them are good in their own, but quite often are very complex and difficult to work together, and 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 the interfacing and things like that. Um, so you have to look at your energy strategy, and it, it's like a lot of strategies in building. Many products are brilliant. But in the building world, particularly in building services, we build systems. Yeah. So we put all these bits together and expect it to work. So it's very much making sure that we have that early view 
um, to say, well, okay, but that that isn't that efficient if you look at the whole big picture. I mean, biomass boilers are very good. They have their uses, um, but then you need the biomass fuel store. Uh, uh, CHP plant um, are really good if you have a heat source. You know, if you've got a swimming pool or a constant use, but it seems a bit pointless having a, a CHP plant that generates the electricity when you've got a heat bank on the roof to get rid of the heat. Okay. So it, it's very well ticking the box, but looking at it as a system is where it becomes critical. And understanding how a building operates, which goes back to stage seven, mm. building in use, is learning from there. Um, you know, and to go back into a building two years afterwards and find that the CHP plant's been turned off, or the biomass stores now a, a, a bookstore and they've got they're running on gas, they're the things that you must learn and bring back. And you can say to people, look, you know, this is this is what you know. Are you right in making this tick box? Mm. Cool. Um, well, thank you very much, Nick. Uh, appreciate you taking the time to join us. Um, I'm going to open the floor up and um, to the rest of the group and see if you guys have any questions uh, feel free to unmute or uh, type your questions in the chat box on the right hand side deathly silence <laughs> a classic a classic for the uh, online format I suppose any sort of it, maybe it's one I could throw throw to the audience if somebody's brave enough. Is there any sort of consultants who are young engineers who see quite a lot of work across all the stages, or, or or do many of you feel that you're maybe by sort of early stages stage four you, you see little uh, input? Good question. Mm. Hi, uh, Zoe here also from TBNA. Um, I mean, I, I'm part of the Specialist Lighting team, but I work alongside Harry and the M&E engineers. And we um, are able to cover quite a lot of the RIVA stages, which is um, really great, obviously, to experience those different stages and understand the involvement, not just from our side, but the M&E side, the architectural side, and obviously cost consultants. Um, I thought it was a really interesting point when you said um, con um, involving sustainability early to make sure that it forms part of the design rather than it becoming a problem later on. I think that's so important um, and something that is really becoming ever more important under design now that Briam and Well is so popular. Yes, yes, and I think you know there, there'll be more and more demand. Um, on, on well, fire and, and environment at, at earlier stages. Um, it's far easier to solve a problem on paper than to try and fix it at site level. And, you know, we, we see an issue particularly on, on corridor overheating and uh, building overheating is one for us at the moment. To try and get to the levels we need to insulate the building. The insulation is so thick, we struggle with the support of the cladding panels and obviously then we're affecting footprint. Um, you know, if you suddenly take 50 mil all round um, of a room, it, the, the architect can be quite upset with it. So it's very much about um, 
working at that early stage because the architect and the, the client can get through a lot of development and a lot of time spent and fee expended when they start getting into the detail. If you physically can't build it, you've got to go back. So having that knowledge of what you've learned and, and, and the problems and trying to feed it back. So even if you can't solve the problem, you've you've designed the problem into the thing. So, you know, the client's expect he's suddenly gonna get not get a shock that he's lost fifty mil off his ceiling in his corridor sort of thing. He knows at the beginning that and he can design around it and you can change the lighting to give it a more visual appearing thing. You can change the colour of the wall so it doesn't look such a, a long cor low corridor. And that's where having that knowledge at an early stage really helps. Absolutely. I think it does prove how important the M&E consultant is within the project because uh, they obviously are so involved in making sure everything is as it should be. So it's great. Yeah. Uh, an interesting thing I was I was taught a long while ago was when a client moves into his brand new building, he spends six months ooing and ahhing over his lovely reception and all the rest of it. And he spends the next six years complaining how hot, cold, light and drafty it is. <laughs> So get the M and E right, and then we have a happy client. Absolutely, great. Thank you very much, guys. Cheers, Zoe. Um, cool. Uh, yeah. Any? Would you like any closing remarks, Nick, or would you like to? Uh... Yep. Just, I think it, it's an exciting time for consultants. Um, be brave. Don't don't rely on on Google. Uh, remember that there is there is good information out there that's certified, rely on certified data, and work with your peers. You'll find as you go through your your career, the people you're working alongside now, your young architects, your young structural engineers, your young manufacturers, will be your peers in 30 years time. And it's very much an industry, uh, a social industry. It's not what you know is who you know and the people you grow up with now and develop with now will work alongside you in the future and there's nothing nicer than going into an interview for a win a big project when you're a bit nervous in front of a client and you recognize a couple of faces uh, and that confidence is there so be confident enjoy it and i wish you all the best great thank you very much nick uh, and thank you everyone for joining.